Hi, everyone. My name is Christopher Bruce. I'm a South Florida divorce attorney, and I have the pleasure of being joined today by a Zoom um, by Guy Jonti. He's a psychotherapist in the Broward County area. And today what we're going to talk about is something that I think is really important, and it's dealing with infidelity in relationships. Infidelity happens to a lot of people. It's much more common than people think. And I think what he and I are going to talk about a little bit is, although it's hard to deal with, hard to process, it can actually be, for some people, a real turning point in improving their relationship. So we're going to dive into all this, and um, I, I guess uh, before we get too far into it, um, he maybe just uh, introduce yourself um, a little bit about your uh, background, and uh, we'll talk about all this stuff. Okay, Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris, for inviting me to be a part of this um, conversation. And um, it's a very, very important conversation, as you've mentioned, uh -huh. to the topic of infidelity. And unfortunately, um, it can uh, derail um, a lot of lives in some cases, you know, families even. So with that said, um, you know, my name is Guy as you've indicated, and I'm originally from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, grew up in Miami. and um, from a pretty large family. And um, when I was about 12 years of age, my two older brothers um, enlisted in the US Army. And when they came home, I remember how happy I was to see them, but more excited though, to see them in a uniform and seeing pictures of them uh, with M16, you know, uh, rifles and things of that nature. <laughs> I was all boy, right away. You know, I knew that's something that I wanted to do to follow in their footsteps. And sure enough, uh, after graduating from high school, I enlisted in the military, joined the U.S. Army, served for about six years, and was very happy with it, but I didn't feel that it's a career path that I wanted to pursue. And so, um, long story short, I uh, went to college, and then I entered the, um, the healthcare industry, where I worked as a counselor um, in the hospice setting. And um, I worked with a lot of hospice patients and their families in hospital settings, so a lot of hospice patients, you know, in their homes. So a lot of hospice patients um, in nursing homes, uh, assisted living facilities. And so I did that for about, oh, a good 12 years, you know, as a hospice counselor. And it was through that experience that I realized that uh, I wanted to pursue uh, higher education in terms of, um, you know, increasing my skills as a counselor. And that sort of led me to consider, um, a doctorate, you know, in marriage and family therapy, and yeah. um, and I've been licensed as a psychotherapist uh, for since 2003. I actually hold two licenses: one as a licensed mental health counselor, and the second license is that of a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so, um, and so, I've been practicing as a psychotherapist for nearly 20 years right now. Okay, let's uh. Add a admiral background and a pretty interesting one uh, too. I guess maybe one day I'll have to ask you if you're a, uh, a hopeless Dolphins fan too. But um, <laughs> um, anyway, they've they, they broken so, my heart too many times, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're talking today um, add a little little humor to what could be a hard topic for people, but um, infidelity. And one of the things I wanted to ask you first, just from you know, what you see in your practice, um, I mean, what is, 
what do you see infidelity to be? I, I take it it, it kind of means a lot of different things to different people depending on um, somebody's um, background and, and value system. So maybe you could just speak to, to that for a second. Well, that's a very good question. And I think more and more, um, you know, we as a society, I'm going to speak a little bit broadly here, that we're coming to have a more varied understanding about what infidelity is and what it actually means. And so I think traditionally that we were able to sort of um, um, define infidelity in fairly um, narrow ways and that infidelity um, might have to do specifically, traditionally speaking, uh, with a spouse or a partner um, uh, committing an act of betrayal um, of a sexual nature um, but in light of the fact that these days, um, you know, we're so digitally connected, uh, not only yeah, with our yeah. family members, not only with friends, not only with, uh, spouses, uh, we're also digitally connected with, um, uh, with exes, people that we maybe dated in high school, people that maybe we dated in college, um, uh, people, uh, that we work with who may, um, yeah become attracted to us or that we may become attracted to them. And so when we talk about these days um, what infidelity is, it can present in many, many different ways. And so, um, and so I think that fundamentally it's really, really important to understand what infidelity is within a particular context. And that particular context um, is the context of the relationship between the two individuals, and in some cases, maybe more than two individuals, but that's the topic yeah. for today. Uh, <laughs> and so, but infidelity in the 2020, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But fundamentally, um, infidelity has to do fundamentally with a um, with a breach of trust, and that is whether it was um, an explicit agreement between two people. Um, or whether or not it might it might have been um, an implied agreement, and in many relationships, um, the kind of agreements or expectations that people have more often than not are implied agreements yeah. that never get discussed, and then one person finds themselves um, breaching um, a particular um, unstated expectation or unstated agreement that can cause um, tremendous uh, hurt, pain, and anguish for the person who feel that their spouse or their partner should have known <laughs> yeah. their expectations and desires uh, were. So again, infidelity fundamentally is about a, um, a breach of trust. And I mean, that's... From what you're saying, I mean, as, as a divorce lawyer, I hear a lot of people say a lot of different, you know, things. I always try to ask, you know, why do you want to get divorced? And it's it's interesting, the, I guess you'd say, breaches of trust. I think that's a good way to put it, how um, sometimes there, um, you know, maybe implied agreements or implied um, things. And um, it's it's interesting. It varies, varies by person to person. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so where, you know, and, and maybe this is just, it's, it's, you could probably, you could probably talk for an hour on this, but just, you know, for, 
most of the 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 people, um, you know, why does infidelity happen in a relationship? What kind of, uh, and I think it's probably important for people to understand why does this happen, especially if they're in a state of trauma now as they're processing it. But what causes infidelity to happen in your experience? Um, that's a very good question, Chris, and I appreciate you asking it. In fact, it is um, a question that um, that couples um, struggle with. It's a question that uh, at the forefront of most couples' mind, particularly the person who um, has been injured, shall we say, by the act of... Yeah. You know, of you know, of infidelity, and so I think, you know, I think the why question um, is somewhat misleading. And when I say misleading, I mean, really? I mean it from this point of view. Um, that is, uh, we can have an expectation or a belief that there is one particular reason that my spouse, my husband, my wife, my boyfriend, whoever it is, um, say cheated, you know, with the, with, the, with another person. Um, and so uh, the why question, in reality, is a bit more complex. And so what tends to happen, um, in my experience, is that the person who's been, shall we say, the person who's been injured, you know, in the relationship, uh, there's a part of them that they, a, a very visceral part of them, wants to figure out, wants to know, why did this happen? Why did you do this to me? And it's a valid question. It's a very, very valid question. Um, you know, however, it assumes a couple of things. Number one, it sort of assumes that there might be one particular reason. Okay, in some cases maybe, but 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 generally there's a lot more um, to it than that, and so it also I think uh, assumes that the person who um, shall we say who was a uh, um, um, the non-monogamous partner or the person yeah. who um, you know who um, you know who caused the injury, there's an assumption that that they themselves actually know exactly why they committed the act of infidelity. And oftentimes, in some cases, the person who committed the act of betrayal, they may not necessarily know exactly all of the ramifications or all of the reasons, all of the factors that went into uh, them um, making that decision. One of the things that I often say to couples, just to kind of help to kind of give them some context about this very question, is that as hurtful, as as painful, and as uh, traumatic as that act, as that experience is, it's important, really, really important to try to wrap our mind around the idea that, that the person that we're married to, the person that we're in a relationship with, they didn't just happen to wake up one morning and decide that I'm going to cheat on my spouse. Yeah. So typically, many, many things that happen beforehand that contributes. I tend to like to use the word contributes with couples as opposed to the word causal because yeah. the brain wants very much to find causal linkages 
but in a situation that involves complex human experience, human emotions, and things of that nature, is very difficult. And part of what sometimes you know makes it hard for couples is that is that there is a a desire and sometimes a demand for a clear and precise answer or explanation from the person who committed the act of infidelity. But the person who may have committed the act of infidelity, sometimes they may not necessarily be able to articulate concisely and precisely um, what was behind it. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of time to sort of help people to kind of flesh that out. So, um, so that why question is a relevant question, but at the same time, it's not as simple um, as people um, would like for it to be because there are many, many factors uh, that goes into that. And so just one quick thing that, you know, in some cases, you know, one might say that a person committed the act of infidelity because of, you know, a boredom or maybe in some cases um, it's, it's a way of, um, of exiting a relationship, okay? And sometimes a person may have uh, committed the act of infidelity as an act of revenge. Well, you cheated on me, so guess what? Yeah. So now <laughs> I'm going to return the favor. Uh, but all of those kinds of things really sort of uh, gloss over some of the more deeper underlying factors that takes the relationship to that place to begin with. Do you, do you find that, you know, in at, at least a number of the cases of, um, you know, infidelity that, you know, you, you see in the couples that, that you work with and clients that you work with that, you know, there, there's usually at least a, a little bit of um, both people, um, both, both parties to the relationship kind of being jointly responsible. I mean, I know there's situations to where obviously you have people who are abusive or they have certain types of disorders or addictions. Um, but, but that aside, I mean, do, do you find that at, at the real root, you usually both people in the relationship have a part to play in, you know, what manifests as the infidelity? That's a fantastic question. I really appreciate that because, uh, the short answer to the question, Chris, is yes, that is, that is the case. Uh, however, from a therapeutic standpoint, from a therapeutic standpoint, uh, it takes a lot of preparation um, with a couple uh, before they can get to a place where they can begin to consider, to begin to consider um, the different layers, the different factors that, again, I'm going back to that word that I mentioned previously, that contributed to the evolution, to the development of a marriage or relationship where once one partner um, made a decision to, um, to cheat on another person. So with that said, from a uh, therapeutic standpoint, one of the things that's very essential for me when a couple comes in, you know, is number one is to acknowledge the sheer pain the anguish and the heartbreak that has occurred. That's that's point one. Uh, and I sort of, yeah. you know, uh, 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 there from a metaphor metaphorical standpoint as acknowledging the fact that someone, one partner here is, is bleeding, emotionally speaking. Yeah. 
And so the focus is on, let's figure out what we need to do to stop the bleeding. Let's acknowledge this, this pain, this hurt, okay? And so in doing that, it, it allows for a process where a cognitive shift is beginning to occur, where the person who's been injured, the person who's been hurt, where their anguish, where their pain is being acknowledged, and if their pain and anguish is being acknowledged, then they're less likely to need to fight to make that point to try to convince someone, or their spouse, or an, or a therapist about that, and so um, and so and so that's priority one, to help to sort of establish um, acknowledging the pain to sort of help to establish some level of emotional stability, some level of emotional equilibrium, so that both people can be present enough emotionally where they can hear each other without reacting out of pain and anguish okay and so that takes that can take that can take a little bit of time to get a particular yeah. person a couple to that place you know um and so for some people it may take them several sessions traditionally speaking it may take several sessions to get to a place where a person feel uh heard um enough to where they can begin to even be open and considering the possibility that yes what your husband or what your wife did was grotesque was uh, insensitive was hurtful uh, demeaning disrespectful um, and so and so acknowledging you know that piece and then to be to be able to then say um, we need to also take a step back and to try to look at the bigger picture. And by the bigger picture, I mean, is that let's look at some of the different factors that may have played a role. Um, they may not necessarily have been things that either one of you thought about who have done um, consciously, but, but let's just kind of take a step back to see what may have been some of the factors that rendered the relationship perhaps vulnerable to this situation, you know, occurring. So this is not about blaming anybody necessarily. Yeah. But it's more so so that we can um, take a more instructive look, so that we can um, see what needs to be seen, so that we can um, figure out where the vulnerabilities were, so that we can figure out where we need to work, you know, to figure out what needs to be repaired. And so it takes a, again, it takes a bit a bit of time to establish some level of trust between myself and the couple so that they can feel that, um, you know, that, that they're not going to be uh, uh, battered, you know, yeah. process. And so, and so it's really a, a delicate, a delicate balance. It's a dance that's necessary to be done. And I always say that it's important, you know, to, to pace the session in such a way that the person who's been injured that he or she feels heard, that they're not being pushed into something that they're not ready for, and the person yeah. who committed the, the act of betrayal, it's important to keep them engaged because if that person feels like they're being beat up, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not going to stick around. They're not going to stick around, and it just makes things even more difficult. So, but again, you know, great question. 
It sounds like, I mean, acknowledging the other person's pain is very important to do, you know, right off the, the bat. And, uh, you know, I always recommend people to, you know, see a, you know, really good uh, therapist that's, you know, qualified and experienced in dealing with this type of stuff. Um, but, you know, just maybe from what you do in therapy and, and also just maybe practical things for people who are, you know, processing this right now that haven't, you know, yet made it into um, your office. Um, you know, what are some practical things that, you know, you, you think people, couples can can do in um, processing and, and trying to, you know, recover their relationship from infidelity? Maybe some things that might keep them out of my office. Well, um, that's, 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 that's a good question, but it's also a tough, you know, question. So let me try yeah. to approach it, uh, you know, this way. Again, um, you know, every couple, obviously, you know, is different. Every couple is as unique as, you know, the fingerprints, you know, that we carry. And so um, what's, what's important, you know, what's important, you know, is, um, is, 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 is for people to, to be able to have some sense of being able to figure out what they need in that moment, in that space. And again, it's not always clear to people. I want to be very, very, <laughs> I want to be very clear about that. It's not always clear to a person what it is that they need. Because in some sense, the person that they've opened their hearts to, the person to whom they've given the keys to their heart, <laughs> it's, it's that person that is causing the heartbreak. It's that person that's causing the anguish. It's that person that is causing them to feel enraged, angry. And so they're not sure what they want from that person. I want you to, yeah. I want you to console me. I want you to comfort me. But no, I want you to get away from me because you're the, you're the reason why I'm in such pain. And so, and so people can sort of have... Um, you know, sort of like almost like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind yeah. of an experience, you know, in, the, in, in that space. And so, and so typically when people lack the ability to self-regulate, to self-soothe, to, um, to be able to calm their own emotions, then that too inadvertently end up exacerbating the situation to where people end up making decisions uh, that complicates matters even further, okay? So having said that, you know, for people who are able to sort of take a deep breath, center themselves, sometimes it's helpful to be able to say to your wife, your husband, or the person that you're in a relationship with, um, I need some space, I need some time, you know, just to figure out what I even think about all of this. I need some space, I need an opportunity to try to wrap my brain around what has happened. That doesn't necessarily mean um, 
and run to your office. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but what tends to happen, Chris, is that in the in the in the throes of infidelity, particularly when two people are living in the same space, that that the oxygen gets sucked out of that space, and people can feel emotionally um, like they're suffocating. And so that's that's the point. That's the perspective from which I speak when I say that sometimes what may be necessary is for the person who's been hurt to simply recognize what they need and what they need may simply be that you know what i need a little bit of space i need a little time for myself um so that i can get some clarity about what i think and what i need and that will help me to better understand to better know what to ask you for and how you can be part of this solution and so i think i think that's 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 the first step you know being able to um find a way to get some distance um so that you can get some clarity and that can mean anything you know sometimes it may mean um you know going for a drive um it may mean yeah. um if there's a close friend or very good family member that you trust who respects you who respect your relationship um that you need to spend the night over um but in a very in a safe place where people are not going to take advantage of a person's emotions and things of that nature and so and so to to be able to find a space where you can begin to sort of bring down lower the temperature so that people can have better clarity and so I think that's one of the more important things with respect to the question that you're asking. I know um, just from us knowing each other for a little while now, one of the things you, you do a lot of work with is couples and, and you know challenges in their relationship, things like infidelity. And I, I know one of the things you were you're telling me about, and this is not really meant to be any type of commercial for you, but you do intensives, you know, a little bit more time with, with people, I, I think, in you know, sometimes larger blocks of time to help work on their relationships. Maybe you could just speak for um, uh, a, a minute or two on how does something like that um, help people, um, help couples when they they have a, an, a you know an acute issue arise in their relationship like um, infidelity, and, and and how's that work? Okay, um, appreciate the question. Um, you know the couples intensive um before i address that let me just kind of you know mention about the traditional ways in which couples you know yeah. tend to be therapy you know typically speaking you know people are uh, going to therapy uh the basic therapy hour is basically 50 minutes maybe 60 minutes um for for most cases and for most situations um that's 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 sufficient you know, time to address issues, whether it has to do with anxiety or career type issues, depression and things of that nature. And sometimes for kind of maintenance kinds of issues for couples, uh, traditional hour session, you know, can be, um, you know, can be uh, sufficient. However, um, where the one hour session becomes problematic, particularly for couples who are uh, experiencing acute distress in their relationship, 
whether they're going through a divorce or they're thinking about separating or in the case of what we're talking about or if infidelity you know has occurred because of the intensity of those kinds of experiences the traditional uh 60 minute session typically um is not a good way to go and the reason for that is that given the intensity of the emotions that people bring into the therapeutic uh, process that oftentimes um you know for 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 the hour session um issues come up with very little time and opportunity to actually um resolve uh the issues that, that come about and so what can happen sometimes is that is that couples may come away from a 45 to an hour session they may come away feeling more frustrated and more angry after the session because all that they've had the opportunity to do is basically vent <laughs> yeah 45 minutes to an hour and then okay i'm sorry it's time to go and so the um you know the the value of an intensive session intensive session basically means that it's a session in which a couple is seen for six hours or longer and the value of the intensive is that it enables each person to be able to, to uh, articulate what he or she thinking feeling um, with the opportunity of not being rushed or not being or not having the session being dictated and controlled by you know the, the the clock on the wall and so it allows couples to actually um, delve deeply, take a deep dive into the core issues. And also it allows time for actual uh, problem solving. Okay. And so, and so it creates the opportunity where people can find and to create um, quicker and faster resolution to some of these problems faster and more quickly and so and so that has uh, multiple benefits you know for couples number one you know it helps to decrease the tension it helps to decrease the volatility and it helps to establish a better safe space a better safe zone um you know for people and um and it also um has a direct correlation to um not only emotional, psychological, but it also has direct correlation to um, to physical wellness as well. Because yeah. what happens is that if a person is under a tremendous um, emotional distress, it means that um, that that you know that 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 their their mind and their body essentially is in a state of um, of fight or flight. And which means that their uh, their immune system is working overtime to help to compensate for the emotional tension and distress that they're experiencing. And so, in an intensive session, um, also uh, we also uh, incorporate a number of other kinds of modalities to help people to sort of uh, actually regulate uh, their physiology so that they can be present both in mind and body. So that we can address the issues and also to have enough um, emotional energy 
to invest into the solutions to the problems that they're presented with. That makes a lot of sense, and um, I, I imagine it's probably, um, for everyone, but especially you, um, probably takes a lot to um, mediate all of that, I guess, um, you know, and in, in a situation to where, I mean, it's, uh, you know, things aren't handled properly, sometimes from the very beginning in processing all of this, it, you know, sometimes you know, might be the end of a relationship, and uh, I guess it kind of, as it relates to, you know, infidelity, I, I, I see just in, in what I do as a divorce lawyer, there's a lot of people in my experience that can, you know, process it and, you know, actually have a better relationship after it, uh, but not everyone, um, it, you know, gets there. Um, and just, I'm curious, and I think a lot of people would be very um, interested to know, uh, just from your perspective, what are some signs that maybe, you know, the relationship issues that um, infidelity brought to the surface are possibly signs of a relationship that has run its course, maybe a relationship that's best to come to a close as, a, as opposed to, um, you know, being, for lack of a better word, you know, fixed. How, how do you know when maybe it's time for both people to move on? Well, um, there are a number of... Um of signs and, and indicators uh, that could uh, point to that. You know, having said that, um, 20 years plus, you know, into this uh, 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 work, uh, there are some things that I can see um, that might be um, indicative, you know, of a relationship that's not likely to be repairable. And a relationship that's not repairable um, doesn't necessarily have to mean that there's been a failure on the part of the individuals. So I'm going to get back to that, um, you know, you know, in, in a moment. But but in in order to to help a couple to figure out um, whether or not or when a relationship has run its course uh, requires a great deal of um, of clinical expertise, but Chris, more than anything else, more than anything else, it requires a, it requires patience on the part of the therapist. And it re requires patience on the therapist because it may be obvious to the therapist that some things are just, I mean, the wheels are just coming off <laughs> and there's no fix yeah. in this. However, for the people who are involved in that relationship, who are involved in that marriage, they're emotionally invested. They have a history. They have years, sometimes several decades of life um, tied into the relationship, invested in the, the person. And so, and so they may not yet be at a place emotionally, logically, they could see it. Logically, they could see that this is not going to work. But in, on an emotional level, they not be at the place where they're ready to, to exit the relationship. And so it's from that standpoint, it's from the emotional aspect where 
a, a clinician where a therapist needs to be patient with the couple so that the therapist is not driving the process, but that the therapist is working in concert collaboratively from an emotional standpoint, providing the support for the couple and helping them uh, to come to the place of the realization of what it is that they want to do or need to do about a relationship that for all intents and purposes appears to be irreparable. And so it's going to take them a little bit of time. One person might see it, the other person might not necessarily see it. And again, just as a caveat here, and that is with the proviso that as long as there is no safety issue at play, that is to say that yeah. there is one who is feeling uh, uh, threatened, you know, as long as there's no issue about physical safety, emotional safety, and things of that nature, then it's, it's important to appreciate the fact that, um, you know, that, that it may take a minute for a couple to actually come to terms with the fact that a relationship, um, you know, has run its course. Now, having said that, with respect to um, infidelity in particular, um, what might be some telltale signs that a relationship is not um, is not able to be a, a, a redeemed or to be reconciled. Um, let's look at first of all the part of or certain behaviors perhaps of the person who um, who is the non-monogamous partner, the person who um, committed an act that injured his or her spouse or or, 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 or partner. Um, you know. If the person who committed the act of infidelity um, is, um, is, is callous, um, is uh, unsympathetic, um, unapologetic, uh, fragrant about the act of infidelity and doesn't see that they've done anything wrong whatsoever, um, that that is a telltale sign that that is a relationship that is just not going to work because if the person yeah. who um, if you have one person who's basically has been is laying out metaphorically speaking you know in the middle of the road <laughs> you know yeah. broken, bleeding and then their partner just basically looks at them and say I didn't I didn't do anything wrong. And so, and so that's, that's, that's a very, very important indicator that the relationship um, might not be uh, 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 um, repairable. Now, outside yeah. of the person who, say, was the, um, the injured party, shall we say, or the monogamous partner, um, if that person finds him or herself constantly angry, enraged, um, feelings of contempt toward their, their, their partner. Um, if they are having relentless, intrusive thoughts that they just can't shake those thoughts, 
and they are finding themselves becoming uh, angry and bitter. That too, that too yeah. uh, can be an indication that that the pain and the hurt, you know, is so deep that that repairing that that wound may not be possible within the context of that current relationship. And so for, for, for people who are in that camp where, where rage and anger um, and intrusive thoughts becomes their norm, then it's probably necessary, you know, for them to uh, begin to sort of contemplate um, an exit strategy so that he or she can save themselves because um, that level of, of emotional and psychological distress um, is going to have a ripple effect in the personal life, professionally, and, and of course it's going, to, um, it's going to cause a person's health to deteriorate. You know, um, in, 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 in relatively, you know, short time, you know, period as well. And, um, and let me just kind of add one other thing as, as, as well, Chris. And I know that, you know, you're aware of uh, some of the work that I do as well um, with respect, you know, to couples. But specifically, um, given what we're talking about right now, the fact that there are those situations when, um, you know, when exiting a relationship um is the is the is the proper course of action and i often yeah. when I talk with couples about this that 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 when a relationship has come to that place um to begin to um to make some mental adjustments about it and that um that it's not it doesn't have to mean failure if we can look at a relationship and determine that, you know what, I've done, we've done the best that we could do for the time that yeah. we were together. And so it's been, it's been a good ride. It hasn't all been easy, but, um, but I feel I've given it everything that I could give it. And if you feel that you've given it everything that you, that you've been able to give to it, um, you know, there's some there's some redemptive qualities about that. Okay, there's there's a level of integrity that we can take away in knowing that I did all that I could do, and now, you know, um, I need to, you know, chart a new a new course, a new path, because um, because sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes um, couples can stay too long. And in those cases, when people stay too long, tragic things can happen. And unfortunately, tragic things do end up happening. And so um, it, it's unfortunate um, because uh, more often than not, um, you know, those are situations that could have been averted, you know, and so um, it's, it's no surprise to any of us uh, that we all know of 
cases where people um, commit, you know, acts that cannot be undone because of a yeah. very difficult relationship. And so, um, and unfortunately, um, you know, you know, this wasn't a case of my own, thankfully, but uh, but I was called to a situation, you know, just this February, you know, where um, a husband and wife they were undergoing through, you know, a lot of marital distress, and the long and short of it, unfortunately, you know, the husband in in that particular case, and this happened sometime uh, between both genders, males and females, husband and wife, you know, um, can do desperate, you know, acts. But in this particular instance, in February, um, you know, this husband, um, um, you know, murdered his wife. And sadly, you know, uh, as grotesque as it is, he also, um, you know, killed his two two kids. And then, and then, which he himself committed suicide. And so, um, and so, it's it's sad beyond sad it's tragic it's tragic um because um because because there are better ways there are other options when a relationship has run its course you know to figure out uh a better course of action to start a new chapter and um and so and so and so those kinds of situations unfortunately um you know as you know uh, 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 very distressing, you know, heartbreaking, but, but, but they don't really need to happen. They don't really need to happen. Yeah. Other options. There are other options. I mean, I guess on that, and I'm probably using too many buzzwords in one sentence here, but I mean, what, what's your best advice for, for couples who, want to go through the decoupling process in an amicable way. I mean, when they, when they feel like the, the relationship has run its course, I mean, what's, what are some of the, the best ways to go about that um, process? Well, um, again, at the outset, at the outset, um, you know, it's important that, um, that people feel safe and that people remain safe. You know, that is, uh, that is the bottom line. That is the bottom line. It's important that we, um, you know, ensure that, um, that there are, you know, that, that there are safety measures in place and that there is no one, you know, not, not the wife, not the husband, not the kids. It's important to make sure that, you know, everyone is committed uh, to safety. It's important to make sure that everyone is committed to the well-being um, of the other person. Um, it's important to make sure that people are committed, particularly where there are children. It's important to make sure that uh, that the safety and the well-being of the children, um, you know, are without question, uh, you know, a priority. Okay, and um, you know, in the decoupling process, you know, again, uh, is you know, is I think it's important. I think it's really, really important. Um, you know, for people to be able to to own certain things, to own certain things, and that is um, that is regardless of how bad a marriage you know might have been, um, it's important for each person to be able to um, 
you know, to acknowledge and to claim the good things that they brought to the table, to be able to to own the good things that they contributed to the marriage. It's also important for each person to be able to acknowledge and to um, uh, accept, you know, the good things that the other partner was also able to bring into the relationship. Now, why do I say that? Um, Typically, when people get to a stage of feeling the need to to part, um, all too often, you know, people can begin to sort of think about the relationship in very um, extreme ways, uh, in absolute ways. That is, um, um, she was never around. Um, He was always mean to me. Well, the one thing that I can tell you about human nature is that we are predictably inconsistent. And I say that (laughs) no one is ever always angry or always mean. Um, um, No one is never a particular way. Yes, it may feel that way on an emotional level, but but there are those instances in the relationship where some good things happen that I found helpful, that I found meaningful, that I found um, validating. You know, to be able to acknowledge some of those things, and also to be able to to be able to make the shift, to be able to make the shift in exiting the relationship where there is clarity about what are the values that that i have that i feel are no longer being um respected are no longer being um respected or valued that i feel that i need to make a decision about those particular values and the reason why i frame it that way is that the couples who exit relationship from the standpoint of blame that is, I'm leaving the relationship because she was unfaithful to me. I'm leaving the relationship because she spent too much money. I'm leaving the relationship because of what she did, or I'm leaving the relationship because of what he did. When, when it's framed in that way, yeah. we, we, we come away with, from the relationship from, with a skewed perspective. That is, we come away from the relationship uh, from the standpoint of um, something was done to us. That's not to take away from whatever might have happened. You know, we're all human beings. We don't please our partners or our spouses 100% of the time. And so we're going to drop the ball. We're going to fail in the process. But in the decoupling process, I think that it it serves each person best if they're able to transition onto their next chapter by saying that or coming to a place of saying that i no longer feel that the way that i want to be treated the way that i want to be loved and the way that i want to love my spouse i don't feel that i'm able to do that anymore and so that is something that is still very important for me. And so 
I'm holding on to those kind of values. And so I'm going to take this and move into a different direction. It's kind of a subtle kind of a, 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 a distinction, but I think it's a necessary distinction to try to move from the relationship, um, to try to move from the place of blame to a place of value. What are the values that you have that are not being cherished, that are not being respected, that you're moving with and taking to a new relationship, rather than the disappointment, the pain and the hurt and the anguish, because the pain and the hurt and the anguish if we carry those things with us, well, guess what? It's only going to show up yeah. <laughs> in the next relationship. Again, yeah. Well, that I mean, that sounds like a great way of reframing the way of thinking about the situation. And I think maybe if more people did that, they might have a easier time, at least initially, moving on. Um, um, so I, I guess we're kind of coming close to the, the end of the time um, we had for this. My name's Christopher Bruce. I'm a divorce lawyer in South Florida. I'm here with Guy Jaunty, a psychotherapist, uh, mostly in the Broward County area um, of South Florida. But Guy, for the people that are listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, well, you, you know, I, I'm kind of resonating with um, you and, and what you're saying. And, um, you know, what are... Um, you know, maybe tell just a little bit more about your practice and, and how you help people and, and how people might go about getting in touch with you. Thanks, Chris. Um, you know, my, my area of specialization, as I you know mentioned, is couples therapy. And, um, yep. and, and particularly, you know, couples who are struggling with um, needing to repair the relationships or infidelity has occurred uh -huh. in to figure out what to do about it, what they want to do about it, how to repair um, the breach of trust, the betrayal that has happened. Um, you know, those are things, those are areas, you know, that I that I specialize in. And I also do a good bit of work with um, with first responders who struggle with post-traumatic stress disorder um, because those men and women, um, you know, certainly um, they're, they're impacted in a lot of ways in terms of the kind of work that they do on our behalf. And, um, yeah. and oftentimes, some of the things that they experience, uh, um, unfortunately, are taken back home, you know, into their families, into their relationships. And so, um, and so my office is in, is in Davie, and I'm in the process also of opening another office in the North Broward, you know, area. And for people who want to get in contact with me, they can do so by going to my website, which, which is drjohnc.com. That's D-R-J. D-R-J-E-A-N-T-Y.com, drjohnc.com, D-R-J-E-A-N-T-Y.com. Okay, and, um, and just, uh, um, we're, we're doing this by uh, Zoom, but I mean, do you, do you ever do any of the, um, any of the therapy through um, any of the online ways, just for the people that are listening to this in other areas? Yeah, great question. Appreciate that. I, I do some telehealth, um, you know, counseling, some online sessions, you know, with, with, uh, with, with clients, uh, both individual sessions as well as couples therapy sessions as well. And so, um, you know, happy to, um, uh, to, you know, to provide that, you know, for folks for easier access. Well, um, thank you so much, um, Guy. I really appreciate you taking the time out of uh, your day to give this information. And um, I, I really hope it's it's helpful for the people who need it. It's, I think we covered a lot of great things here. So thank you very much for your time. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity uh, uh, to have spend this time with you today, Chris. Thank you so much.